Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. We hope everybody is doing well and hashtag being a nerd. We love it. Um, I am your host. I am Jordan Porter. So I am joined by the terrific, talented, and tenacious Yvonne Brandenburg. Tea for Thanksgiving and turkey. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I am thankful for food and this podcast and you as my business partner and our membership and our members and our listeners and just all things IMFVT. (laughs) Seriously. Like if I think about this last year, there's so many things to be thankful for that all the cool people we've met this year. Yeah, exactly. And then I mean, not in person, but you know, virtually. (laughs) And speaking of that, we haven't had housekeeping the past couple episodes, but we're also recording really far ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But I got a couple emails from people this week. Nice. Nice. So the first one is from Charlotte. She, um, she just sent me an email says, I enjoy listening to this podcast and find them a good way of getting my CPD in a relaxed way, but still so educational, which like, I'm amazed that people relax by listening to us. (laughs) I I don't know why. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, is it relaxing or are we just droning on and on? And they're like, we can fall asleep now. (laughs) Nice. Kidding. (laughs) she says i'm currently collecting cases for my vts and internal medicine application so your podcast is great help um is great to help me study and get my cpt hours and laura rosewell recommended us after talking with her about the vts stuff um and then she says all i can say is thank you so much for making these available and i hope to get through all the ones that you've done so far so that i'm up to scratch i guess i should look further at the treasure trove and take some notes um, just to have some hard copy information she can take back to the rest of her team. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Charlotte. Yay. And then our second email was from Rebecca Ebarb. She says, hi, lovely ladies. I just had a question regarding our latest episode, the hyperparathyroid episode. I noticed that you guys didn't mention ethanol ablation as a possible treatment. So I was just curious if it didn't come up in your research. I only asked because one of our internists performs this procedure fairly frequently. Thanks so much. So her and I ended up having like pretty long, like back and forth, like conversation about it. Cause I did not read anything about ethanol ablation. So she sent me some information about that, which is pretty interesting. Mm. Um, but I again, know I've like, heard it, of it for thyroid gland, but I don't think I've heard of it for um, parathyroid. Yeah. So she just sent me some information on that. And then we just ended up having a conversation about being techs and <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, that's always the best. <laughs> yeah. Turns out she actually like only lives a few hours away from me. She oh, she's nice. here in South Carolina. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Hey, yeah. Rebecca. So was, yeah, I was like, next time I'm in Columbia, like we'll have to get together. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, well, that's really so. cool. Yeah. I saw that email and I was like, Ooh, 
was like ethanol ablation i have no idea it was one of those things where i was like yeah i've never heard about it i was interested in it but at the same time it's like again once i transfer to surgery i'm out but she says her internist does it so i'm like interesting that's crazy my my internists probably wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole they're like nope i'm out i don't i don't think mine would either Interesting. So, we'll have to, if, just, did she send you like, um, a lot of the articles she sent me and like the information was definitely surgery related, like okay. from some surgical sites and stuff like that. Um, do you mind putting those references in the show notes? So in case anybody sure has questions, they can check it out, which is interesting. Sure. Sweet. So they'll be in the show notes guys. Thanks Rebecca. <laughs> So this is, this is going to be a kind of a fun episode. We're crossing from endocrine to neuro because next week we start our neurology series, which is, it's exciting because we have Brittany Laughlin who is an RVT. She has her VTS in neurology. So she is going to be kind of spearheading the neurology episodes. So we'll, we'll jump in with our, our internal medicine-y stuff but she it's fun we've recorded a couple with her already and i think they're going to be really good for everyone um just to kind of get the basics of the nervous system and some of the other neuro stuff that that we deal with but we deal with in a like kind of way yeah (laughs) (laughs) like oh that's not me that's not me but um so this one we're going to kind of cross over into neuro but this is still very much um, you know, small animal internal medicine that we deal with. So um, definitely, this is definitely where it just endocrine and neurology meet. So it's a neuroendocrine tumor called a pheochromocytoma that we're going to talk about this week. I actually had a lot of fun doing this episode. Cause again, I learned a lot of stuff that I was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh that makes sense. Yeah. Pheos are, 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 they're very interesting. Um, they are. I remember the first time I'd even heard of the word and I was like, a what? <laughs> what are you talking about? But I've seen a couple, um, yeah, you know, they're, they're interesting. They're very interesting to deal with. They're kind of scary sometimes, but they're, they're interesting. I gotta say, like, I don't think doing the research on this episode made me any less scared of them. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, nope, nope. Even healthier fear now. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, I was like, Wow. It's one of those things where I do find it such an interesting disease, but it really sucks for the patient and the clients. And like, I'm just, anyway, this episode is approved (laughs) for one hour of race approved CE at the internal medicine for vettexmembership.com. You can complete the quiz and get your certificate again, as always, non-members can use this as self-study in most places. Um, but yeah, so this is a tumor of the sympathetic nervous system that secretes catecholamines. So we'll talk about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system in the next coming episodes, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk definitely more of the endocrine side of this. Um, yeah. And just, just remember sympathetic parasympathetic. So sympathetic is your fight, fight or flight. You have sympathy for something, right? So there's fight or flight parasympathetic is your rest and digest. And the way I remembered that is parasympathetic peristaltic waves. So rest and digest sympathetic. So that makes it a little bit easier. So if you think sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight, if you have a tumor that secretes a bunch of hormones to make you go into fight or flight, it does all sorts of crazy things to your body. (laughs) Yes. So 
Again, this secretes catecholamines. So what are catecholamines again? These are the hormones secreted by the adrenal glands. Yes, the internal medicine favorite gland <laughs> when the body is stressed physically or emotionally. So again, that fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, like when I was writing this, obviously I made a few little jokes in my notes here. Cause I was like, man, my adrenal glands must work super hard because I feel like I'm always physically or emotionally <laughs> stressed. I sometimes wonder if like my adrenal glands are just going to give up. They're like, forget it. I'm out. That's what I wonder too. Like just all of a sudden one day I'm an Addisonian and I'm just like, no, nah. like, we got nothing left. Yeah. I was thinking about this when I was writing this, I was like, man, <laughs> yeah. or what if I get a pheochromocytoma and then I'm like <sighs> constantly just like running like high and like, oh God. Anyway. Woo. Cause this is hormones. like a dump of <laughs> dopamine, norepinephrine and epinephrine. So all those hormones that make your heart race and you like ready for fight or flight guys, all those hormones just like dumped into your body extra. Like, yep. it's kind of like feeling like you just got scared a lot, just all the time. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> like, and it just never goes, like you're never goes scared. You're like, Freddy so, Krueger's coming to get me. <laughs> oh my God. So what does this have to do with a pheochromocytoma? Well, of course, we're talking adrenal gland. We're talking these hormones, these adrenaline hormones. So this tumor arises from the chromaffin cells of the adrenal medulla. Mm. This is the most common type. It can arise elsewhere in the body, but it's rare. So the most common pheochromocytomas are going to be on the adrenal gland. Wait, you, and can, have what a, you can have like an atopic pheochromocytoma? Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Right. How would you, what? Okay. Right. I don't, I don't go into it just because I was like, we're going to stick with the normal, the normal yet rare. <laughs> oh my God. That's so crazy. That'd be horrible. I guess that's a malignant tumor. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes, yeah. it is. Got it. So, and we'll talk about <laughs> it a little bit more too. Like when we get into treatment. So what it does though, is it sporadically releases these catecholamines within the bloodstream. So it just randomly, you have a tumor just chilling on your adrenal gland and all something of a sudden happens. We don't know why. Well, all of a sudden, like nothing happens. There should be no fight or flight response, but all of a sudden your body is like epinephrine, like all over <laughs> because of this tumor. And then, so again, because it's an adrenal tumor, I think of it like our Cushing's disease or a functioning adrenal tumor. It's also capable of invading the adjacent vena cava, which is bad. Yeah. Because it's bad in our Cushing's patients. So obviously it's bad with our pheochromocytomas. Yeah. And if it invades the vena cava, vena cava, it's all bad. Right. If it invades the vena cava, it's also possible to form a thrombus, of course. Or a um, bleed. Yep. Mm -hmm. It typically affects one adrenal gland. It can be bilateral, but that is considered more rare. More rare and than so, rare. It sounds like something that I would get just because I feel like I always get the rare things. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is my dog. Oh, it's got this super, super incredibly rare thing. It sounds like a tech yep. dog. It, it, it does. Just does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so secretion of catecholamines when a pheocytoma is present can be stimulated by several factors. And this includes blood flow, drugs and chemicals, direct pressure. And when I say direct pressure, I mean like abdominal palpation can make it secrete catecholamines. This is so your, yeah, this is why, it, this is why I now have a healthier fear of a pheochromocytoma. Well, not only that, and I know Jordan has never experienced this because she doesn't work in surgery, but I have been an assistant 
for actually I've done anesthesia for one of these. And you are like, you feel like you have a pheochromocytoma because you're freaking out the whole time because to get rid of this, they have to touch it. <laughs> so yes. when they touch it, that's direct pressure. And so literally they touch it and like all of these things get dumped into the system and it's all sorts of crazy bad. Like it makes anesthesia a freaking nightmare because yes. you one thing too that dealing anesthesia, with all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, anesthesia it's and drugs can also do it. And then again, blood flow. So like if you're dealing with like you're battling blood pressure, which we'll talk about how this affects blood pressure here in just a little bit. Yeah. Um but catecholamine production can result in mydriasis. So that's where we see those cats with the just crazy eyes. <laughs> like, um, right, hypertension. Again, fight or flight, your pupils dilate to let more light in so you can see where the predator is. That's, that's yep. why we do fight or flight big eyes. <laughs> hypertension. hypertension. You need to be able to run. You need to be able to run. That is why you get hypertension. So you get blood yep. flow to everything. Yes. And then you have arteriolar vasoconstriction because your body wants to keep the blood in the vital organ. It wants to keep it in your chest and abdomen. Yep. So you have that vasoconstriction and then you have stimulation of the liver and gluconogenesis and glycogenolysis. Again, so we again, stuff, we need nutrients to fight or flight. <laughs> yep. And then it also increases the tone of all the smooth muscle sphincters. So <laughs> it just like, yeah, again, it makes, it puts your body on high alert. Like yeah. something is about to happen, but in but reality, nothing's happening. You're just chilling, <laughs> yeah. watching some birds outside. And all of a sudden your body's like, ah! <laughs> yes, this is, could you imagine? No, well, yes, I can imagine it obviously, <laughs> but that would suck. Just be like, do, do, do I'm watching TV. And then all of a sudden it's like, you just get this adrenaline dump. Like, can you imagine? So now yeah. I feel like all the texts listening to this is going to be like, I totally have a few. <laughs> One second I'm fine. The next second, my anxiety is through the roof. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Ooh, hmm. that sounds horrible. <laughs> right? We're like, we're like, we're, we all have FIOs. It's the vet tech FIO. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the life of a vet tech is just, Aww. it's like living with a feel. It, it is considered <sighs> highly metastatic, which is yeah. awful. So it's considered the most common neoplasm of the adrenal medulla. Mm. It invades distant organs. So it most commonly invades the liver, the lungs, and the regional lymph nodes. But of course it can also, it, it can do whatever it wants. It can metastasize to the spleen, yeah. kidneys, bones, pancreas, heart, CNS, spinal cord. It can go wherever the hell it wants to go. And that means it can secrete these hormones from everywhere. Yeah, <gasps> exactly. So these, this is again, why these are, these, these suck. These suck. Yeah, they suck because again, you can try to remove them surgically, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But if you miss a met of it, the yeah. patient's not going to get any better. So or just marginally better. And you're like, why is this still happening? Yeah, exactly. It's likely because you missed a, a metastatic spread. So it typically affects dogs, cattle, and horses. Can affect cats, but it's they it rarely affects cats. I feel typically like affects getting adrenal tumors in general for cats is pretty rare. Yeah, I, I don't see a ton of them, or even enlargement of the adrenal glands. Like most of the times, thankfully. <laughs> could you imagine if you had like a cushionoid cat? Like if cushionoid cat was like a thing, 
like as frequent as dogs yeah that would suck I'm glad cats don't get this (laughs) (laughs) older patients definitely because you know it's cancer (laughs) exactly exactly it's cancer so clinical signs though can be sporadic and intermittent because again this is just sporadic and intermittent release of catecholamines and then the symptoms tend to be based on which catecholamine release predominates. So is it epinephrine, norepinephrine, or dopamine? And typically epinephrine and norepinephrine are more commonly produced by these tumors than dopamine is. Oh my God. Right? I, so, just, I just keep thinking about how much that would be weird and suck. I'm just saying. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, again, like it gave me a healthier fear of this and <laughs> less of a like... It's kind of cool when I see it, but now I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, they're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Great. <laughs> like, I feel really bad. I really wish the magic school bus would do an episode on adrenal glands and like catecholamines <laughs> nice. and stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, they might give me a healthier understanding and like a better love for it because this episode has just kind of deterred me from it. Oh my, like, oh my gosh. God, I don't want to talk about catecholamines. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, so our, our clinical signs tend to be, they can be vague again, intermittent. So weakness and or collapse tend to be more, the more commonly noted clinical signs. So it's just all of a sudden someone, your, your pet's standing there and all of a sudden they just collapse. And a lot of times this is thought to be like a syncopal episode. And we'll kind of get into it about like our differential diagnosis, because that list is huge. Um, Mm -hmm. Anorexia though can occur, lethargy, vomiting, panting again, because like these patients are kind of experiencing they feel like they anxiety. are running a race. Yep. Anxiety or restlessness, especially at night. They can't seem to get comfortable. They're just anxious and pacing. They can have PUPD, which I found very interesting because it can mimic like an adrenal tumor, like Cushing's disease. Mm-hmm. And then hind limb edema or abdominal distension from ascites. Mm. And this can occur if the tumor has invaded the vena cava and is oh, obstructive. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, ep- epistaxis and seizures and sudden blindness that can occur from the systemic hypertension from this catecholamine release. I've actually then- had a couple that that's how we found the FIO was because of like epistaxis and then sudden blindness. And we're like, right? what? And then we look and we're like, oh God. Okay. Yeah. We've done Found it with it. <laughs> a, the sudden blindness and then sudden death is rare, but can occur from especially like just from a massive release of catecholamine. It's just overwhelming <sighs> epinephrine that the body just can't handle it. And sudden death occurs, which. Well, and it's usually, it's usually the heart, right? Like mm-hmm. the heart can only can handle, handle so much. And at some point it's like, I can't keep up. And it just, it just stops, which is it's one of those things where it's kind of like a win-lose situation so this happened story time this happened to my parents (laughs) dog a couple what it's maybe been a month and a half now where like she was barking in the yard and then just dropped over dead whoa um mind you she was like i think she was like 13 little Mm. terrier and otherwise generally healthy never exhibited any signs of heart disease um now mind you it's my parents dog so they don't they weren't really keen on all the stuff that I would normally pick up on, but I saw her pretty frequently and she never exhibited any symptoms of anything. Yeah. Um, but 
it was one of those things where I was like, well, like on a grateful side, like be happy she didn't suffer. And she was doing what she loved, which was barking at the fence. And like, (laughs) she was was otherwise completely healthy up until that moment. Mm. And she didn't suffer. She did like, it was quick, easy. Like I got over to their house within like eight minutes and she was gone. And so I guess if your pet has a pheochromocytoma, I guess I would probably wish for the sudden death part than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there are, there definitely are other things that can happen. Yeah. Trying to battle the like constant hypertension or battle, like going through surgery and trying to recover, especially if you miss a met and then you're still battling with it. Like Mm. I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. So I guess I would prefer the sudden death. Wow. God, Jordan, how about just euthanasia? (laughs) Well, yeah, I'd rather you just suddenly die. (laughs) Matt and I talk about this frequently about my 16 year old dog. I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to go through the whole like back and forth of the decision-making part. And like, cause she's fine right now and like healthy. She's just old. And I'm like, when's the shoe going to drop? Yeah. That and like, I think that's the only way I've had a pet die that lives in my house is he was like, Rattler was 19 and a half and just suddenly died one day. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, like the there was no decision making needed. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, this Gaming is getting depressing. Let's talk about differential diagnosis. <laughs> this is Thanksgiving week. Stop it, Jordan. <laughs> yes, I'm thankful my pets don't have a pheochromocytoma. Um, I know, right? And and I'm sure of. they've all been ultrasounded because you're an internal medicine tech. And if they look at you funny, they get an ultrasound. Yeah, frequently. Yeah. Um, okay, so differential <laughs> diagnosis include our hypoadrenocorticism, like our functioning adrenal tumor, um, especially for our patients who are showing signs of PUPD. Hypertension's on the differential list because, again, some of these patients are showing symptoms of just hypertension, like with our epistaxis, seizures, sudden blindness, that mydriasis. Um, heart disease, like our syncopal episodes, is on the list. Um, I just kind of left it to heart disease versus trying to narrow down which heart disease Right. I put nasal foreign body on there <laughs> because if we're having epistaxis, yep. it can be a nasal foreign body or neoplasia. I put coagulation disorders on there. Cause again, it's sudden bleeding like epistaxis or other bleeding disc mm. disease. Cause a lot of these patients are falling over and showing signs of weak- weakness, mm-hmm. um, again, and this tumor can invade the spine. So again, we can have some of those, those issues with that GI disease because we can exhibit anorexia, lethargy, vomiting, vomiting. all that. Yep. Hepatic disease is on the list because again, it can mess with our glucose and (laughs) (laughs) then we kind of throw in all the things. So then we can throw in (laughs) diabetes because the PUPD and the glucose and then renal disease and then just other neoplasias. So the list really is just well, and the, of all the things you need to roll out. Yeah. And the FAT, I mean, when we're talking about the, about Cushing's, like we usually we've done an ultrasound and we're like, we see a tumor. Well, yep. let's make sure it's a functioning adrenal tumor because that's much easier to deal with. But yeah, you, know, you know, if we do a low dose dex and it's normal, then we're like, uh, oh, right. And, and mm-hmm. we've probably done a blood pressure at that point just to see, (laughs) is it normal blood pressure or is it really, really, really high? So there's, you know, there's, there's so many things, especially when we're talking about diagnostics, right? Like 
it's, it's like every internal medicine disease. <laughs> you, you have to like, make sure there's not other stuff going on. So like our CBC, especially if we've got like a bleed going on, um, we, you know, we had one that was actually was a hemo abdomen, but it was from the adrenal tumor. Um, which yeah, I'll talk about that awful. when we talk about surgery, cause that was crazy. Yeah. So w- when we're looking at the CBC, you know, we've got anemia. Um, do we have a bunch of, you know, red blood cells that are lost and, and this could usually is regenerative. So we've got chronic mm-hmm. disease or blood loss. And most of the times the body's trying to recoup. Cause it's like, ah, unless, you know, we've exhausted, iron stores and then it becomes non-regenerative but yeah you know, a lot of the blood transfusion and the, the body's like oh yeah i feel better now yeah and a lot of times you'll see like that erythrocytosis you'll see a lot of like nucleated red blood cells or just like our what we consider like our baby red blood cells because yeah. it's regenerative yep and then um, sometimes you can see a thrombocytopenia too especially like if you have that sudden bleed like you were talking about or sometimes it's just platelet com- consumption just because the body is going haywire that the the liver is like we don't need this or the spleen storing things or the bone is storing things um that it's not normally meant to do (laughs) right (laughs) the Um, body's just like i don't know what to do we're gonna preserve all of our energy (laughs) yeah this is interesting so leukocytosis so um we'll see mature neutrophils. So two causes. So, um, you've got demargination of neutrophils from catecholamine release. So the body releases extra neutrophils, the, the older ones, right? So mature neutrophils, um, or it can be necrosis or inflammation from within that tumor, because, you know, if it's, if it's dying off, you're going to have more white blood cells to kind of eat eat away yeah stuff right um because that's what white blood cells do is they clean up things so you'll you'll see that as well um most of the times on biochemistry i mean it's it's the liver liver enzymes just like any other adrenal tumor right so we'll see increases in the alt and alkphos and most of the times these are chronically elevated um so you know (laughs) It's those consults we get that have had increased liver enzymes for like five years and they're like, it must come in today. And you're like, really? Yeah. Like right? It's been creeping up for three years and now it's a problem. Cool. Um, we'll see elevated, um, cholesterol in the blood. Maybe we'll see lower albumin in the blood. Um, and that's, again, that's all liver related. And then we might see some mild azotemia and that's partially because of like the higher blood pressure and the kidneys just not enjoying high blood pressure. <laughs> what? The kidneys don't enjoy that? No. Have we talked no. about this before? Uh, maybe, maybe in our kidney disease Series. episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, we're such nerds. <laughs> I like being able to say we've talked about it before. <laughs> this is true. Can you believe we've been doing this for almost 60 episodes? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, we can do abdominal radiographs. Mind you, they don't typically show a, a lot of stuff. Can maybe show a perirenal mass, but it depends on the size. If you're seeing maybe a perirenal mass, that's bad. Ooh, that's huge. That's huge on x-ray. If you're seeing it on x-ray, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, however, I'm, I'm a firm believer in thoracic radiographs mm-hmm. should be performed just to note metastasis, especially if we suspect a pheochromocytoma. Um, yeah. And three view chest rads. Three view. So right I think lateral, we've mentioned that a few left times. Left lateral VD. Yeah. And that's the classic met check thing, right? Is, is three mm-hmm. views. Yeah. Speaking um, of three views and views of things, have you, have you seen the memes where it's like, you make sure you get two views of things and it's like a picture of no. like strain on her lap. Oh, I'll have to see one where it's like, you think somebody's like flipping somebody off, but then you see the other oh, view yes. and you're like, oh, they're not cool. <laughs> yes, it's kind of like I that. We want to make sure we have more than one view of something. <laughs> yes, I have seen that. Um, <laughs> abdominal ultrasound and CT scan, both can be utilized to detect adrenal masses and measure as well as detecting other metastasis. So if you see a little nodule in the liver or a little nodule in the spleen or in large lymph nodes around it, um, this is where abdominal ultrasound and CT scans can definitely be utilized either one or the other or both, but you can get some good measurements. Yeah. I was gonna say, and the big thing about an kind of keeping in the back of your head for abdominal ultrasound remember direct pressure can release catecholamines yeah and if you've ever done an (laughs) abdominal ultrasound and you're looking for adrenal glands what do we do push hard what does the doctor do because unfortunately i don't do ultrasounds as much as i want to i don't but the doctors are always pushing a lot. Those are the adrenal glands with ultrasound. It's usually the, the most uncomfortable part for most of our patients because they do have to push fairly hard to see them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, especially to pressure. get good measurements. <laughs> yeah. The CT scan um, I got- though is like, it, we usually do those pre-surgery um, yes. so that the doctors can see, you know, is it evading the vena cava? Is it attached to something else that it shouldn't be. That's going to make oh my God. surgery much harder. Story time. We found an adrenal mass the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, actually on Friday, of course the people were super nice and the dog was so freaking nice. Oh, and it no. had this massive adrenal mass because the dog was like, so it came in for unregulated Cushing's disease. So <laughs> they did all the testing and, um, the veterol just wasn't working for this patient. And it was like a Sheltie getting 120 milligrams of veterol twice a day. Holy crap. That's like, a lot. <laughs> I've never yes, seen anything and, on 120 milligrams. Right. Whew. And so like, luckily by the time mom saw us, she's like, well, we just had the, um, ACTH stem redone and the numbers didn't really change. So I went back down to 60 milligrams twice a day when she came in to see us. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an awful adrenal tumor. <laughs> I was like, cause the people are super nice. The veteral is mm. not working. The dog's still PUPD and eating a lot. And so, um, but wasn't exhibiting any other like feo kind of symptoms, but mm. so that's why we suspected more adrenal, like Cushing's disease versus pheochromocytoma, but it was invading the vena cava like crazy. Um, just like we put the Doppler on it and you could just see the blood flow just being like, it was still able to go around a little bit, but I'm like, the sucker's going to bleed at some point. And then then they're all ataxic because there's not enough blood flow to the back end. But they weren't like the dog was actually like, like I said, other than just being PUPD, like that was the only symptom. Um, but we like go over to the liver and it admitted to the liver. 
like crazy. Like the liver was awful looking. And I was like, Aww. oh my God, of course, like these people are so nice. That's the worst. Ugh. But of course they like, they're considering doing further testing. So we've referred to like a university to have an adrenalectomy and vena cava just thing and biopsy the thing in the liver. Um, we offered to do aspirates of the liver, but they're like, let's just all get it all done. Like some, like, we're like, cool. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> right. But oh. I was just like, I, w- I should have gotten pictures of it. Cause it was it sucked for the dog, but the picture of it invading the vena cava was pretty cool. Mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving back to our pheochromocytoma. Yeah. What? It's so, just like, okay. This next one never done it and never done from it. my research it's really not utilized anymore because of the availability for like ct scan and abdominal ultrasound is preferred um but it is a pneumoperitoneogram and i found it interesting that they actually use room air insufflated into the abdomen and radiographs are obtained this way and this can visualize this can aid in visualizing a tumor i was like what that sounds horrible first of all room right? air is not sterile yeah uh, I was well, like, there's multiple reasons why this is no longer done. <laughs> they do this in humans though, too. I was like, what? I was like, if someone oh. was like, we're going to put room air into your abdomen, I'd be like, uh, I'm going to die of an air emboli. Oh my God. This sounds horrible. Anyway, I put it so in here just strictly thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I was like, I put it in there just for sheer, like, holy crap. People used to do this. There are better ways to do medicine, I feel like now. <laughs> like I said, the research said it is not widely used anymore. And I was like, why? I mean, I guess if you're like some rural area and you don't have ultrasound and you don't have CT, I mean, I guess, I guess you could do that. Still scary. <sighs> um, like Yvonne said a little bit ago, ACTH stimulation testing and low-dose dex stimulation testing should be used just to rule out hyperadrenocorticism. Um, again, like for my patient, he had positive like ACTH, like high ACTH numbers. So, well, and I would think that if you've got a tumor that large, well, it probably no, is. It's because hmm. it's usually just multiplication of those tissues so unless it for some reason recruits the other tissue but either way it sounds horrible hmm. yeah well we'll talk about it a little bit further but pheochromocytomas can actually lead to secondary conditions like cushing's disease but oh for sure yeah <laughs> yes because of that reason that you're thinking <laughs> so there is catecholamine hormone testing serum and or urine is used urine is preferred however it's just considered real unreli- unreliable due to sporadic release of catecholamines yeah. and it requires collection of 24 hours worth of urine now i've done this test before and it's yeah. come back positive and so we've diagnosed pheochromocytomas from it from not collecting 24 hours worth of urine <laughs> yeah i don't think i've ever actually collected that much urine um, nope. but that's what it recommends hmm. when you look into the testing. So we do this testing through Marshfield labs. Yeah. Same. Yep. We use Marshfield. So I well. put, 
Yep. I put the resource of that like page and that testing on in our show notes. Mm. So you can find that there if you've never done that. They have the, these cool little crystals, which I, I did so much research trying to figure out what the little crystals that you add to the urine does <laughs> to like help store it or like mm. save the catecholamine release. I think like there there's it probably stabilizes the hormones. Yeah. I think it just makes it so the hormones just stay. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, interesting for shipment and stuff. So, but I couldn't find like the specific like wording of like it. So I, 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 I remember looking at them at one point, but I don't know if I remember seeing what the, I call it silica, but I don't know what it mm -hmm. is. The granules. (laughs) Yeah. The granules that like are so hard to just get like six little tiny ones in the tube of urine. (laughs) Cause you just need like such a small amount. Right. Yeah. Anyway, treatment for these patients is typically surgeries, the treatment of choice, just depending on the current diseases and other, like if it's meted and where to, and how far along it is and like the size of the tumor and if it's invading the vena cava, Yeah. all the things, but so usually, usually I'm going to, I'm going to go with the surgery stuff. Cause I definitely have more experience out of the two of us on the surgery front. (laughs) (laughs) So I gave you that impression. What? I know. (laughs) So prior to surgery, right, we want an alpha antagonist, um, medication. So usually like phenoxybenzamine is kind of the go-to. And I think in our clinic, we try to do at least two weeks. Yeah. So one to three weeks prior to surgery. Yeah. So one to three weeks. And, um, so we, we do two weeks, um, that you're on the, the medication and, and ideally, so what happens is it makes it so that the, the blood pressure is more stable for surgery, because the problem is, um, if you go into a pheochromocytoma surgery without having the medication on board, they can have extreme fluctuations of blood pressure, like super low and then super high. And it's just, it's really difficult to control it because it's just like the direct pressure of trying to get the, the tumor out causes just releases randomly of, of, you know, all of our catecholamines. Um, we can also use prazosin. That's another medication that can be used. Um, but I think we use phenoxybenzamine the most, so surgery, um, if they've got the phenoxybenzamine on board and, you know, everything's relatively stable going in, most of the times it's fairly straightforward surgery. They go in, you're monitoring very close, closely for blood pressure. You know, we're going to make sure nothing's bleeding, depending on if it's invading the, the vena cava or anything else. Um, and, you know, usually there's multiple people in the room to help with it because somebody's monitoring anesthesia and then somebody is like grabbing the stuff <laughs> whether that's boluses of of fluids or you know plasma or blood or dopamine CRIs epinephrine cuz sometimes you have to start those things so um story time <laughs> we had this adorable um, old English sheepdog come in and she came in through emergency. She was flat out. They looked and they were like, Oh my God, she has a hemo abdomen. She's bleeding out like bad. 
Um, so she was getting blood transfusions and they go into surgery and it ended up being a FIO. Mm. Um, and so this dude, that, that surgery suite, I had never seen it packed as much as I had seen it for this dog, because literally there was two people like pushing blood into this dog. Like they weren't even free dripping it. They were literally pushing it into this dog. Plus it was getting fluid boluses. So there was the surgeon, there was somebody there. I think there may have been two people scrubbed into the surgery because it was just like insane. And they were just trying to do things as quick as possible. Our anesthesiologist, she, she was still super new to our clinic and she was in there plus me, plus somebody else. And this dog was getting like fluid boluses, blood boluses. Like she got two units of blood, just bolus during this procedure. And, um, her blood pressure was relatively stable ish. (laughs) I thought that was crazy. Um, and she, dude, I saw her like two weeks after that procedure for her incision check. And she was just like, do, 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 like nothing happened. And we joke that that pheochromocytoma saved her life because we think that the whole, cause her blood pressure was relatively stable that whole time. We mm-hmm. think the only reason it was, was because she was just dumping all those catecholamines into her system, just keeping her blood pressure up. So she didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we were like, there is no way this dog is going to survive surgery. And she did fantastic. Yeah, like it was crazy. dumping all that blood into your abdomen yeah. and like, yeah, Having how's your blood pressure supposed to stay normal? Up? Yeah, no, it was insane. We were like, it's Other low, than like, but it's not <laughs> tanked, you know? Thank like, God your tumor is like <laughs> blood pressure <sighs> elevation. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was, it was the most insane surgery I had ever been in because it was like, they were just trying to get it out as quick as possible. Cause it's like actively bleeding. It makes me kind of sick to my stomach <sighs> thinking about just like the anxiety of something like that, that I'm just like, oh my God. I don't, I think I have developed my crusty technician shell. Um, most things don't adrenaline dump me anymore. Um, it's really sad. Cause I remember I used to get adrenaline dumps during like CPRs and yeah, I definitely still get the shakes a little. No, I don't anymore. It's really sad. I'm usually the one directing traffic now. Cause like, I'm probably the only one that can look up from what's happening. And I'm like, all right, yeah. who's writing things down? Who's getting this? Who's getting that? And it's, it's crazy that I eventually yeah, developed I definitely, that. <laughs> yeah. I definitely get that. But then it's always like after, like afterwards, uh, I'm always like just trembling a little. Yeah, no, I don't anymore. It's kind of sad. That is kind of sad. I do get excited when it happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my adrenal glands worked. <laughs> But no, yeah. Maybe you are developing Addison's disease. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> Post-op complications are very common for these patients, um, as I'm sure Yvonne knows, but hypertension, <laughs> cardiac arrhythmias, hemorrhage, and even respiratory distress can occur. So these patients should be monitored in a 24-hour facility after yes. a surgery like this. And the good thing is, is that like after surgery and removal of a pheochromocytoma, most of these patients can become normotensive within 24 to 48 hours after surgery. Mm. Now, if hypertension continues, then metastatic disease should be suspected. So you should suspect that there's a met somewhere that was missed because it can be small. It can be anywhere yeah. it wants to be. We talked about this. <laughs> like It can be tiny. Yeah. Which That's is crazy. a bummer. Huh. Um, client 
communication for these patients other than just being like super scary and just informing clients that this can be super scary. Um, these tumors can actually result in several secondary conditions. So this can be like a thrombus of the vena cava or an aortic thromboembolism. It can be hmm. spontaneous rupture of the tumor itself. Like Yvonne just kind of said, um, paresis can occur due to spinal cord compression. Ugh, All yeah. of these things are very bad, um, but also several cardiac conditions like arrhythmias, arterial or sclerosis, cardiac hypertrophy, and then systemic hypertension. I, Again, I mean, like, I don't know how many times I can mention hypertension. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think hypertension's like kind of like if you see it, we look for a FIO. We're like, oh, I mean, yep. It's the either most, that or like kidney disease. <laughs> yeah. It's the most common, like, secondary thing of this, this disease. Yeah. And it's actually like patients, it's like a, at a rate of 43 to 70% of these patients having secondary hypertension. Wow. Which, Which is really bad for their kidneys. <laughs> I was gonna say it's bad for your kidneys. It's bad for your heart. It causes all bad sorts for of your patients. eyes, <laughs> bad for your eyes. Yeah. There's all sorts of problems. Cause this is like, this isn't just mildly elevated hypertension. This is like 200 you know, when you're, when you're getting your BP, you're like, oh my gosh, it's like 200 over like 160. Like it's, it's just an insane. And like your I, maps are super high. It's, it's crazy. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this a few episodes ago, how we had a cat that came in with a blood pressure of 270. <laughs> so we yeah. saw this cat again the other day. He does not have a, well, I guess he doesn't have a detected phyochromocytoma yet. Um, but we put him on like meds. So his blood pressure went from 270 down to like 250. And we're like, yeah. Like, Ooh, we touched it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came in on Friday. Turns out, I mean, like he's got really bad kidney disease, obviously. So yeah. we gave him a blood transfusion on Friday because of his anemia, um, anemia from mm. the renal disease, but his blood pressure was 180 and I've never been so happy to have a 180. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, <laughs> like <"Woo." laughs> yeah, but he, he's, he's also kind of a grumpy cat. So like, we know that he'll be around for a while. <laughs> like, right. He'll fight it. He's like, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> Basically but anyway, the more horrible a patient is, the longer they live. That's, that's exactly. the rule of thumb. We all know this. <laughs> yes. I keep getting off topic with my, my pheochromocytoma, but again, like I kind of briefly said, they can have secondary Cushing's disease from mm. a pheochromocytoma. And then unfortunately just inform clients that like this disease can progress metastatic. Yeah. Mets can this occur, isn't like rapidly. The difference, the the big difference between like a functional adrenal tumor is most of the times a functional adrenal tumor doesn't invade. It, it just gets bigger most of the times. Right. But a pheochromocytoma is super malignant and just it, it's ugly and it does crazy things. So it, it doesn't just stop like there's, there's no drugs that we can give to just calm it down. Well, I mean, no, you can just give drugs chemo, to help but, the blood pressure. Yeah. yeah. And then if surgery is not opted for, um, then the outcome just strongly depends on like several factors. So the size of the tumor invasion, metastatic disease, secondary conditions. So like, mm. luckily it's the doctor's job to give like the prognosis and like <laughs> <Right>. how long <laughs> your pet might live. Cause I'm just like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> So, and then cautions, of course, include like just intraoper intraoperatively, like Yvonne was saying, like yeah. limit the drugs that can increase 
hypertension and cardiac arrhythmias, arterial blood pressure should be continuously monitored, monitored, um, and just really keeping an eye on all the crazies, especially because of like, just touching the thing can make it go haywire. It's like, it's like a bomb. It's just like, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just get it out as quick as possible. <laughs> yep. It's the tip of the week. So although the differential list is pretty extensive for this disease, pheochromocytoma should be suspected just based off of symptoms. And then even more so if a mass is detected on the ultrasound. So like for our Cushing's patients that like, again, my patient the other day where a pheochromocytoma was on the differential list because we found an adrenal tumor and we found metastatic disease. However, Mm. I obtained a thorough history of clinical signs and everything that the patient or the owners have been seeing at home with this patient. And it it did not scream pheochromocytoma. We took a blood pressure and blood pressure was normal. Mind you, again, signs can be vague and can waver and vary and just be sporadic, but this dog was relatively normal, but don't forget about a pheochromocytoma in our cushioning patients. Yeah. And now for the question of the week. So my question of the week this week is, have you ever witnessed a pheochromocytoma patient? Because oddly enough, my first one was a cat, even though it's supposed to be super rare. (laughs) Yeah. Dang. I wonder, I wonder with cats, if they have an adrenal tumor, what is more common? Like is a pheo more common or like a FAT? or a probably a, I don't know I guess I would have to guess a feo hmm. because like it's the most common like adrenal malignancy hmm. and if cats get tumors they're usually malignant <laughs> so yeah I was gonna say it, it would be interesting to look that up because it's like con syndrome versus a feo versus pdh I don't know interesting hmm. right All right. Well, you guys know where to find us. You can answer the question on Facebook, on the internal medicine for vet techs page, on the internal medicine for vet techs membership site. Um, There's several places to reach out to us, but let me know if you've ever seen a pheochromocytoma. Let me know the outcome of it. Um, Yvonne had a pretty interesting experience. My cat ended up going to university for surgery and I believe did really well, but again, we referred it elsewhere and they followed up (laughs) with the university. So you're like, I'm good. I diagnosed it. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Basically we're like, okay, see ya. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen a couple of them, but that, that old English sheepdog was, uh, the most dramatic, I think (laughs) out of all of them. I was like, yeah, you'll never forget that case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps it up. I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you're in the United States, if you're outside of the United States, um, welcome to the holiday season. (laughs) Yep. I hope everybody enjoys the start of Christmas shopping and whatever weather changes you have. If you're up in Canada where it's, I'm sure freezing cold. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm sure Matt's going to send us some videos of the snow soon. Right. Enjoy the last month of uh, 2020. Hopefully. Yes. Again, hopefully nothing apocalyptic happens in the next month. (laughs) Uh, I'm so excited. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Have a wonderful week, guys. Keep getting your learn on. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. 
If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.